As we begin this morning, let me invite you to turn with me to Ephesians. As we work our way through this uh, little epistle to the church in Ephesus, penned by the Apostle Paul, inspired by our God, words that are life and breath to us. I recently watched a, a show depicting the Battle of Culloden. It was in the country of Inverness, Scotland, a battle that was fought on April 16, 1746, between the Highland Army of Prince Charles Stuart also known as Bonnie Prince Charlie, and the royal troops of King George II. This was the last battle of the Jacobite uprising as the Scottish Highlanders uh, tried to reclaim the British throne for the exiled Prince Charles. As these men prepared for battle and were called to arms, their leader walked among them, giving them a rousing speech about commitment to a cause, a cause that seemed impossible to win as that leader encouraged these men to fight the good fight. Throughout history, men have stood before their troops and stood before the people of Nations and called those people to arms with words of encouragement and words of commitment. Immediately, I think of uh, Sir Winston Churchill with we shall never surrender speech. George S. Patton addressed uh, the U.S. 6th Armored Division on May 31st, 1944 with words, if you go back and you look at that speech, I can't repeat in the pulpit because he was a rough and gruff man, but he got the point across. We will not be defeated. And here in this passage before us, the Apostle Paul has been laying the foundation for us for with these final words in which he calls, God calls every Christian to prepare for battle in the Lord's army. Going all the way back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul begs, he implores his listeners to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. As he draws to a close with these words, this call to arms, prepare for battle. Last week we considered uh, this previous section before us in Ephesians, beginning in chapter 5, verse 22, and going all the way through Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9, dealing with God's household rules pertaining to relationships between husbands and wives, wives and husbands, parents and children, children and their parents, slaves and masters, masters and their servants. Now in these final words, the Apostle Paul exhorts us, his listeners, to prepare for battle. 
as he sets in context all that we have heard so far. Because this struggle, my friends, is a struggle for our homes, for our families, our relationships. Because the enemy is real and the enemy is active. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on behalf, on my behalf, Paul says, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The grass withers and the flowers fade and fall, but the words, these words of our Lord God endure forever. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come to you through our Savior and our Lord, the one who is our King and our Head, Jesus Christ, and pray, Lord, that your words would ring loudly and truly to us this morning as a call to arms to prepare for the battles that we are faced with in this war. Give us encouragement, O Lord, that the war has been won. The final destiny of your children who come to you through faith and trust in Jesus Christ is sure. Nothing can take that away from us. Father, we lift up our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. See, before the foundation of the world, God had decreed all things that will come to pass. He had decreed to call a people to himself from every tribe and tongue and nation. And ever since the war began back there in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve listened and fell into Satan's lies and deceit and were exiled out of the presence of God, 
God Himself has been calling by His grace a people to Himself, to be called a people according to His name. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Knowing that these people called by His name would always be a rebellious people and could never perfectly work out their own salvation, He sent His own Son. In the likeness of sinful flesh, as an offering for sin, condemning sin in the flesh. And it is He who is the commander of our Lord's army, our Savior Jesus Christ, who has bled and died on behalf of those that He has called and come to save. He has called those people out of the darkness into the light from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, Jew and Gentile, into one household, one family, to be one new people, giving those people a foretaste of the glory divine that is to come in the age to come in that new heaven and that new earth. Having presented this grand plan that God is working out in this world, the Apostle Paul calls us with more and more passion in chapters 4 and 5 as he begs and implores his listeners to hear. And now as we move in the beginning of chapter 6, he draws all this to a close saying, Finally, finally, live lives worthy of your calling. If you've been called to be a part of God's family, if you've been called to be a part of God's household of faith, if you've been called to be a part of this new community that God is creating in this world, then all of us, those who are called, ought to stand worthy of that calling, fit for that calling, suitable for that calling, and ready for battle. And so... We've been presented with several exhortations that Paul has given to us for us to live differently from the world. I use that phrase to live counterculture to the world that we all live in, to live distinctively as Christians in this world, holy, set apart. Let's put all these challenges and these exhortations in context. Paul knows that there are many challenges in the lives that we live and the life that he lived. Challenges in living out these commands to be holy even as our Lord God is holy. The Apostle Paul knows that the first and primary challenge as Matt mentioned in his prayer is our sinfulness. All of us are sinners None is righteous, not even one. That challenge of our sinfulness is one that we encounter each and every day. Paul didn't speak simply as a, a, a preacher standing in a pulpit, although that he was. He said these words as a man 
as a sinner among sinners who knew the depth of depravity. For I know, he said, that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the willing is present in me. You know that struggle. You know what God has called us to do and called you to do. And yet there are times when that willing is not present in you, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to want, I, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want to do. And he sums it up so well. Wretched man that I am. What if he stopped right there? We would be forever in a state of depression. And yet he says, who will set me from this body of death? He goes on to say, thanks be to God for the most incredible gift that he has given to us. Salvation in Jesus Christ. Not only is the, the struggle with ourselves, but there is this, this struggle with the sinfulness of others. Oh, really? The Apostle Paul knows we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that there is none not right, there is none righteous, not even one. We don't live our lives in a vacuum. The sinfulness of others definitely has its effect upon us. And sometimes the very things that others do and have done to us has a profound effect upon us, does it not? But by God's grace has effect upon the way we live. And so our having not only sin in ourselves, but also living among sinners, working against the effects of all of that, Paul encourages us to live according to our call. Another place that Paul understands that sinfulness has an effect is in the church. The church, my friends, is not perfect. It is not perfect. And it has often been said if you're looking for a perfect church and you find, you think you have found it, don't join it. You'll ruin it. Another reality the Apostle Paul is all too aware of, having ministered, having established and set up the, the organization of churches, particularly the church in Corinth and other churches, that it was composed, those churches were composed of imperfect people. The church is full of sinners. We are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. But God has designed that the church be the very place to help us grow in grace and our knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we submit ourselves to the means of grace that He provides to us. And that is the preaching of the Word. 
Oh, we look forward to the day when we can administer the sacraments again. Prayer. Fellowship with other believers. In the church in Corinth, the the place where these Christians ought to have found security and meaning and, and family and oneness and unity and harmony in the midst of the world, there was opposition. There was discord. There was strife. Selfishness, mistrust, broken relationships, and all sorts of other things going on that even the world looked askance at. Paul knew that there were troubles in the church. I mean, he dealt uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, with Eodia and Syntyche. And writing that little letter to the Philippian church, the church in Philippi, Paul urged those two to live in harmony in the Lord. Why would he have said that if there, was dis- if there wasn't discord? Live in harmony in the Lord. Paul even himself. Pastors never have difficulty with people. Paul had difficulty with people. And rest assured, anybody who is a pastor will have difficulty. Paul had disagreements with Barnabas. Peter and Paul had a disagreement in which Paul opposed Peter to his face. He understood, Paul did. Like Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So the Apostle Paul wants us to go into battle with eyes wide open and a full dose of reality of who we are and who others are and what the church is like. He wants us to see those challenges that we face as Christians as we live out our calls to be holy to live distinctively Christian lives. The kingdom of heaven may be at hand, but the world we live in is Satan's playground and his domain. The world, we know, is a corrupt and fallen place. Now, I'm not talking about the, 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 the sphere, the, the planet that we call earth, but the world, the, the system of uh, social structures, of economy, of uh, even politics. The world, as we know it, is a world that is corrupt. There are challenges we face in the world, oppositions and temptations of the world. On the one hand, the world does not want us as Christians, to live as Christians. In fact, much of the world considers that living a threat to them. If we think distinctively as Christians in the world, if we attempt to live differently as Christians in the world, it is entirely possible that someone is going to put you into the same category as every other uh, radical extremist group 
And we see that, I think, more and more as we try to live our lives as Christians. We're called narrow-minded. There's one God, one truth, and there is only one way of salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so the world, if you are properly taking your stand as a Christian, living a holy, set-apart way of life, that world will oppose you. In the world, you will find opposition. For Jesus Himself said, These things I have spoken to you, that you may have peace. But know this, in the world, you have tribulation. You have trouble. But take courage. I have overcome the world. You see, the world often infects us by tempting us, not so much by a direct head-on frontal assault, although we may see more and more of that as we live our days out here upon this earth, but it, it, the world subtly tempts us to adopt its own standards, its own way of thinking, its own way of living. So it's easy to begin to compromise. Not in big ways, but little ways. Looking at sin as if it's normal. Just a little sin. Look at righteousness as if it's abnormal. To begin to feel apologetic for holding to the truths that we hold to. Because the scripture teaches them and so many people seem to be getting along just fine without them. That's the way the world works. Started in the Garden of Eden with Satan. Taking what God had created as good. Twisting that truth ever so slightly so God's commands are questioned and His authority is put into doubt. That sort of thinking infects our thinking ever so subtly. It draws us over subtly to its way. It calls us to abandon our Christian commitment ever so slightly and then even more and more before we know it like the proverbial frog in the kettle Too many have become spiritually apathetic, missionally indifferent, prayerlessly irreverent. See, Jesus warned the churches in Revelation about being this way. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth because you are lukewarm. But the greatest and the most subtle obstacle is an obstacle about which we are often unaware because it is hidden. It's a reality about which no Christian can afford to be ignorant. 
It's an obstacle which is especially in the wake of uh, the Enlightenment, the period of Enlightenment, and naturalism and scientism has more and more faded into the background of the minds of Christians, but it is a real obstacle nonetheless that the Apostle Paul is deadly serious about calling our attention to in this call to arms, this preparation for battle. There's so much packed in these verses in these last words that Paul gives us, 16 verses, 260 words in the Greek. There's an economy of words here that we could spend uh, the next five months on. You'll be relieved that I'm only going to have a, a few more sermons planned for this particular passage of Ephesians in spite of the fact that many greats that have gone before not that I'm in their category or in their place but Martin Lord Jones preached 21 sermons on this passage from verse 10 to 19 21 the Puritan William Gurnall famous uh, before his work the Christian in complete armor wrote over a thousand Pages on these ten verses. Today, we'll focus on just part of verses 10 and 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. He goes on to say that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against things that we cannot see. The spiritual forces in heavenly places in that dark realm. There's a real sense in which this passage is a one point sermon. Well if it was, why didn't I just get to it and say it? We are living in a war zone. That's the context of our relationships, of our, of our, our discipleship, of our mission, of our vision and mission in this church. We live in a war zone, and it's not a cold war, it's a hot war. And it's being fought in our dens, in our homes, in our living rooms, in our classrooms, in our churches, in our neighborhoods, our businesses, our communities. And there are casualties every day greater than the ones we see posted uh, in, the, in the crawl space or taking up five minutes of our news about the COVID-19. Of that we should be concerned. We should be more concerned about this. We live in a war zone. And behind this war that is being fought are principalities and powers. Rulers of this present dark age. And ultimately the evil one himself. As we look at this passage, let me draw our attention to four things over the next few weeks. The first one today is this call to arms. The second is the nature of the struggle. What is this struggle all about? Or if we're going to fight against the enemy, we need to know the enemy. And know what God has told us about him. 
What is the armor, third, necessary for our struggle, for us to go into the battle? And finally, the fourth is a call to vigilance. Never underestimate the enemy. Be strong. Be strong. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord. Why would someone stand before a group of people and say those two words? Be strong. Maybe to prepare those people for something that takes great strength. To prepare them for something that they might be ready for a difficult task, for challenging times ahead, be strong. We first hear those words, be strong, from the mouth of Moses. You shall therefore keep the whole commandments as he speaks to God's people that I commanded you today, that you may be strong and go in and take possession of the land that you are going over to possess. We know how that story progressed the people went on and said we can't do this we're not strong enough be strong Moses repeats those words to that leader that takes up the baton after him to Joshua and he says to Joshua and Joshua says to them do not be afraid or dismayed be strong and courageous for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight 800 years later we listen as a prophet the prophet Isaiah speaks to a troubled people say to those who have anxious hearts be strong fear not Behold, your God will come. He will come and save you. He will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God. No soldier goes into battle without preparation. Now, I've never been physically on the battlefield. Never been in the military. Never trained for war. And yet, God has placed people in our family who have done just that. People in this congregation have been through basic training or some sort of military training in which you've learned to be strong. To work together as a member of a team or a unit to accomplish your mission, your goal that is set before you. You've learned discipline. You've learned proper dress. You've learned how to march in formation. And together you were instilled with core values. Be strong. For battles are won by overpowering the desire to quit with the perseverance to prevail. Strength, the world says, can be learned if you put it in your mind to do it. Just think it and it will be done. Just 
Be so convinced that you can be strong and get through this that you can do it. The world says the source of strength comes from within, from yourself. Just let the force be with you. But what does God say here is the source of our strength? Be strong in the strength of His might. Our strength is not found in our resources, in our own ability, in how long we've been Christians, or how much we know about the Bible, or in how long we've been in ministry, or what we're learning about ministry, or what we've done, or what we're doing to prepare. Our strength is in the One who is our Lord. Our union with Jesus Christ. And what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? Paul reminds us back in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. The key to our preparation for spiritual warfare is to be strong in Him who is our Lord. Paul reminded Timothy as he prepared for ministry and as he was actually in ministry, he says, You therefore, my son, be strong. In what? In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul does not say, finally, be strong and rely on your strength, Timothy. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Not your might. The primary reality presented in the book of Ephesians is this. As believers, we are in Christ and we are one in Him by God's grace. His life is our life. His death is our death. His power is our power. His truth is our truth. His way is our way. But By God's grace. And as Paul goes on to say here, His strength is our strength, so be strong. It's important to remember, to remind ourselves too, that Jesus' war with Satan has already been won. Certainly there are going to be battles. And there will be until Christ returns But God, know this, will never call us to go where Christ has never been. Jesus has been there before us. And God will give us the strength in Him to do what He calls us to do. The ultimate victory has already been won by Jesus at the cross and through His resurrection For the sting of death, we know, is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us what? The victory through your own efforts. No, it says through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, what we have here is a call to arms. A call to prepare for battle. This call to arms in our preparation means that we must understand where we are. 
in position with Him, our Commander, our High Priest, our Savior Jesus Christ, and that in and of ourselves we are not able to fight or face what we are confronted with in the world without Him. I don't know how people do it without Him. The secular version of that would, I could borrow from another movie, if you will. You can probably tell. I love watching videos, movies, because there's all kinds of things that can be taken, gleaned from those that can be applied to the world as we witness and have testimony in the world. But there's a movie that Clint Eastwood was in years ago, Dirty Harry film. Can you believe it? Remember what he often said. What he said in this particular movie was a man's got to know his limitations. A man's got to know his limitations. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying to Christians here. We need to know our limitations. We need to know the source of our strength. Paul is telling us, inspired by God, that our strength and even our wisdom is inadequate for the fighting of this war. That we do not have the power to engage in these battles on our own. And this ought to cause in each one of us a certain amount of fear and trembling as we prepare for battle as soldiers in the Lord's army. Finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. We hear that call to battle, call to arms, that preparation for battle. Be unrealistic to think that those men that I mentioned earlier who stood in the presence of those great leaders, even at the battle of Culloden, stood in the presence of General Patton or listened to William Churchill, did not have a sense of awe, but at the same time a sense of fear. Fear and inadequacy about what they were faced with. They were all human. And you know what? We are too. Often we are afraid. Often we feel inadequate for the attacks that are levied against us. Too many times we grow weary in our well-doing. We are tempted to give up and to run. But as soldiers in the Lord's army, we must remember, like the Apostle Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, Paul said, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Or with this, I'm well content with my weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Called to arms. 
knowing the battles are going to be difficult, my friends. We continue and are in a constant state of vigilance going back to that fountain of never ceasing grace for our strength and looking to the one who is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Even in the midst of the battle. Heavenly Father, oh, we do pray that as we leave here this day, we would be convicted of our inability in and of ourselves to fight the good fight. And yet you still call us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. With a heavy dose of reality, Lord, we are faced with the temptations, the sinfulness of the world about us. And know that the source of our strength is not ourselves but is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is to Him that we look for our power and strength and our ability to fight that good fight. Lord, we lift up our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.